0: Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, the Intern Whisperer, and today's tip of the week is about ChatGPT and how it can be used in the recruiting process. Most people have heard about ChatGPT, and there is a lot of concern, but I encourage everybody to do their research on this. You know, it is produced by OpenAI, and one of the many uses that it has that can be helpful to an HR department is in the recruiting process. For example, It can be used to streamline processes and achieve greater efficiency. So ChatGPT can automate repetitive tasks in the recruiting process like screening resumes and scheduling interviews. Automating these tasks can free up HR professionals to focus on more strategic activities like engaging with the humans. Do your research and learn how to leverage this powerful tool to improve communication and processes while keeping an eye on how it improves your people. So this week's guest is Sir Chad Hoover. Okay, you guys will be able to hear all about why he's Sir Chad Hoover. He is the founder of Phoenix Digital Studios and Game Dev, The Board Game, and he is a problem solver extraordinaire. I have known Chad for a while. I am so excited to have him on my show. I've been trying to get him on my show for quite a while. And he's got lots of really great stuff to tell us about the game industry and even more. So Chad, tell us about yourself using only five words and why those five words.
1: Yeah, so best five words to describe myself. I'm a uh, dedicated, driven, and determined project manager.
0: Okay, so why? I mean, it seems obvious, but our listeners don't know you. This is true. Uh, I, over the past
1: 13 years, I've spent uh, a lot of years doing community support and a lot of organizational driven. I've done events for conventions. Uh, I've always tried to stay busy. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur by trade. Um, And I am, as a project manager, is my classically trained skill, Uh, being able to just love people and being around them and just kind of foster growth
0: is just something that, lives
1: and breathes inside of me every day. So Mm -hmm.
0: I'm going to give you another word that I don't think that you had on your list. So I'll, I'll give you a few. I think that you are a community builder. So that's, that's that's a, that's a two word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm still going to count it as one. Um, So I can explain it, but I think you are a community builder. I think that you are a, a fierce, Uh, opponent in Dungeon and Dragons. So I'm adding lots more words because I've observed that and that you are a closet chef, a lot of alliteration there. So.
1: true. I mean, there's a lot of things that people, I mean, I'm, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none and better than someone that knows how to do one. So um, and I think that's just as my production journey um, over the past 13 years is because being very adaptable and being very uh, try to ab- overcome adversity, right? That's made myself a, you know, a Swiss army knife per se. Um, and even in my current new role, right, uh, they they feel that every single day. So it, I do a lot of different things than just what I would normally just focus purely.
0: Cool. Um, One of the things, why don't you share with our listeners something that you worked on while you were in Orlando, because you're not here anymore, but um, to help build our community, something that you helped foster and, and launch.
1: Sure. So I uh, had two big initiatives that I uh, took the mantle over uh, in a variety of fronts. And the first one uh, that I took over to support the community was the Indianamacon Foundation. So I was the executive director for many years. I I started as a volunteer in the art department and I worked my way up to leadership in the board uh, and then eventually turned into being an executive director when some of the leadership had stepped away. And so I took the mantle on my back and I ran all the events and it all of the the logistics on a monthly basis, um, ran um, logistics on every jam that we've had uh, over the past several years. So it was my duty to execute the day-to-day during the jam itself. So all the coordination from all the attendees to event management and stuff like that. So I didn't handle anything before the event or post the event. I handled the, the three days of the, those logistics. So coordinating all the sponsors and the judges and all of those pieces. Uh, It was just here recently that I had actually contained and controlled the whole process uh, due to some events that I had uh, had to deal with. But and then the other piece of that uh, story in Orlando was I was the operations director for the Orlando Gate or the Orlando Game Space and uh, so for those who aren't aware of that that's a, a co-working facility inside downtown Orlando that focuses on emerging technologies uh, and it's been around for uh, about seven eight years now uh, and it got started similar on the same same time that Andy Namakon did. And we've, I helped build out that building. So uh, it was by the sweat of my back that the building kind of came to, did all the construction and all the painting and all the, the elements to make it to what it is today. So, uh, and I just recently kind of stepped away from that position to, to look into the future and what, uh, what new avenues can present itself.
0: So why don't you tell us where you uh got started? What is your educational background? You can start at high school, but most people start sure. at college to how you got to where you are now in St Louis?
1: Oh yeah, so <clears throat> the school conversation is pretty interesting uh you know because being a podcast, I don't want to give the long story, but going through school, going through school, I actually had eight different majors. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do uh in a variety of ways I did art I did. Uh, criminal justice. I was an athletic trainer. I was a marine biologist. There's this whole story, long thing, but, and then eventually it turned into going into food. And so, as you mentioned earlier, I, uh, transferred into and started to train to become a professional chef. So as a chef's apprentice for a few years and uh, I've always had been a creative knack. I've loved games my entire life. And so I decided that I was going to potentially yet change my major again. And I applied to gaming college out in Denver and I got accepted. <clears throat> and then I was able to move out there and, and take that. And that's kind of where the journey started. I was there for a few years, um, uh, the school no longer exists. I come from a, a very, 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 very bad place uh, in the industry that I don't like to talk about, um, but I will I will talk about it today. Um, so I graduated from a school called Westwood College, um, and for those who are unaware of what that is, there is a famous meme out there for our industry uh, called tightening up the graphics in level three. It is a QA testers uh, video, uh, and if you've never seen it, go watch it, but that is where I come from. And this was back in the heyday. I mean, this is 14 years ago. Well, I started in 2007 is when I went to gaming school. So it's been a quick minute. And uh, so once I graduated, I knew that I needed to, I didn't have the right education that I wanted. I started to learn about being a team Uh, team leader and I didn't really focus on art I didn't really focus on programming there was this other skill that I was good at I could I was good at this like collaboration thing and bringing people together but I had to figure out where I could go to like focus on that and then I learned that uh, Full Sail University had a game design degree program that and they focus a lot on production and team management. So when I went there, it was an exhilarating experience. And so I went to three major conferences. I got Scrum certified when I was there. I my, you know, final project was amazing. It was an outstanding experience. And then I graduated. Um, and then I moved back out to Denver after graduating, trying to get to the West Coast and you know, head into the AAA world is what most college graduates do, and well, uh, that kind of started this journey of being this entrepreneur um, production uh, individual, so focusing on purely production, not dealing any different roles, no QA, right, but as a producer and a project manager, you learn that your skill set is dabbling into multiple different things, and you wear multiple different hats because you need to be most aware of what's going on. And so worked for a small studio, released about 16 out of their 20 different uh, projects in about two years, and then had the opportunity to potentially relocate back to Orlando. And I got the opportunity to work for a uh, a potential incubator startup um, uh, with an individual down in Orlando. And I was there for uh, about six months. And then I found that uh, my time uh, potentially could have been spent elsewhere. My team that I was helping build uh, wanted to step on our own. And so the game and the studio that I was building, I stepped out fully on entrepreneur mode and they trusted me and I trusted them. And uh, so I've been dealing with the whole entrepreneur route for probably a good six years. And I, um, I uh, worked for a multitude of companies. I worked for Brand XR. I released a series, a whole crap ton of mobile mobile projects. I won awards. I worked on a giant VR project uh, called Virtual Battlegrounds for about three years. So I, I was kind of like a, I'm kind of like the Deadpool of production in Orlando. So it's like if people needed production support, I was there to to help um, and build out in that community space in the in the game space while running, you know, day-to-day operations. So. And then now I'm in St. Louis and a whole different ball of wax. So I'm leading a team of 50 uh, and re- leading the entire production on publicly. I can specify two projects
0: um, that we're currently working on. That's pretty cool. Are you at liberty to share the name of the company where you're working?
1: I'm working for currently I'm working for a company called Mob Entertainment. They make a franchise called Poppy's Playtime.
0: Cool. That sounds like a, a a pretty cool journey there. I also didn't know some of that other background that you had mentioned. Um, what is your favorite game that you like to play?
1: Oh, uh, I mean, I'm always been a classically. I, I mean, back in the other room, I have Legend of Zelda is always a, a fan favorite, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing up with the NES Um but uh, uh, right now I play a lot of uh, zombie crafting games. It's kind of where I spend and fill my days. Um, you know, I play a lot of my our own games currently, so I do a series of testings every day. Um, you know so currently, I don't paid. spend as much time as I should, but I'm hoping that that will change so I can get back to you know itself. Plus being able to play my own game that we'll talk about soonish.:
0: Yeah, and you get paid to play games in your job
1: uh yeah relatively but how awesome my, is that yeah my job is definitely much more complicated than just that
0: i understand Yeah, <laughs> i but...
1: do lots of walking and having meetings yeah. it's uh especially where the studio is at in in their growth phase so we're doing a lot of hiring and a lot of onboarding and a lot of training um so yeah
0: super cool so let's talk about your own company phoenix and then yeah. also the board game
1: yeah, so Phoenix uh, is, uh, is its own thing. Um, we focus uh, on kind of a marketing publishing uh, tactic and route. So back uh, when I came and left the incubator and I started my own thing, I, I had a game studio and I had about 20, 30 people that were working for me at the time and things started to dwindle down. And so it kind of evolved this and I looked at my own skill set, my own time of what I could focus on to being what were my strengths. And so when I rebuilt Phoenix, and I, you know, if you go to my website, you can actually see the mission. Right, it was built from the ashes of what I let burn. Um, and so focusing purely on like a product owner, I have intellectual properties that I want to be able to execute. But the part, the, the goal here is that I construct partnerships with other studios that will help bring these ideas to life. So as the, as the foundation for Phoenix continues to grow and dollars gets added to that, right, I will continuously reinvest into our, my companies and my partners uh, that uh, want to be along into this umbrella that I'm, I'm building. So it's a little bit differently than what most people think about uh, a publisher relationship, um, but at the at a core, right, there's that value. So uh, currently, I have two uh, partnered studios. I have A Square Games and Simulation, based out of Orlando, and then I have Brickerback Games, which is based out of uh, Philadelphia.
0: Wow, I'm learning so much, and I've known you a long time. There's other stuff here. I'm going. Wow, this is cool. So you talked about what phoenix is but you might need to spell it also for our listeners so they if sure. they're it's listening they want to go it's look
1: it's it's more of the actual phonetic version uh, versus the actual bird itself so it's capital F E N I X
0: all of them capitalized and then digital studios very cool um, let's go talk about the board game that game because I've been a participant in that one. So let's go ahead and and even include some little shout outs for some people that were significant parts of that uh, journey.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, so that has been a journey of two and a half years. So how that uh, got started was there. I knew in my career I was knowledgeable in production understood Agile, understood Scrum, but I was having a series of issues kind of like converting and getting to the next step. And so I knew there was, I had a good degree of competency there. And so I was like, well, how about I build a tool that helps kind of sell this idea of how a game is made. And so the pandemic happened. And so when the world tried to figure itself out and it took about four months for the world to like, oh, I could actually still be productive. I was going kind of crazy. I didn't want to play games all day, um uh, but because I was already in a remote situation Um, And so my world didn't really change, my world changed because everyone else couldn't figure out how they do. So I had to keep myself busy. And so I just started this idea of working on this board game. And, you know, through the pandemic up and through about January, you know, I was making good strides at that first Christmas in 2020. And I was like, I think this is something that I want to spend my time on doing, but it's going to require me to get some unique partners, Right. Uh, This is not something that I can just be like, Chad, you you can only do this yourself. You need other people to support unique pieces. So the first person I went to was the I had a specific vision on what I wanted it to look like. And there was a specific individual in Orlando uh, that it wouldn't be to where it is today if it wasn't for Karis Baker, um, and she's a technical artist for currently Unity, uh, and she's a very good friend, and uh, you'll actually get to uh, see her uh, in in a video that I I have as well, and so I created this relationship. She started to do a lot of, a lot of stuff, and then I had cross paths with a. Um, with my lawyer and, and he's like, Hey, I got this friend that I think that would be a great addition to your team of what you're building. He's had a, a published Kickstarter. I feels that he would be in this whole, so this little John Laster for Laster law and uh, in, introduced me to uh, the gentleman who runs Brickerback games, Alex. And it was like a match made in heaven um, things that he was dealing with on the professional corporate world of production he was dealing with and so you could see the correlation within this it was a very good mesh from a kind of like consultant that's where the relationship started and he's been every step of the way for the past you know year and a half and so now I consider him a full-blown partner um, into the launching of this for Brick It Back Games but I think the the cementing point of where this happened was we had a brand new studio move into the game space. And uh, they were friends with uh, another friend of mine for 302 Interactive. And uh, I just saw, I saw a different way that Unleash Media and Sebastian looked and perceived certain things. And I have a very good sense of character. I can read people really well. I have a sense of like emotion on people. So like this, you know, innate kind of ability. And I was like, getting Sebastian on board would push this project to a whole different degree. And so one day I had a closed meeting and I was like, Hey, this is the situation. I'm working on this project and I feel that you're the right person for this job, your company of where you do things. And I can't pay you currently. This is not. And so I'm like, if you give me just whatever filler space that you want to give to me, this is why I feel this is going to be important. And he and his company have literally dived off the bridges and things over the past two years that have blown me away of all the product support, all the application, all the web development, all the things. And the key, the key is, is I don't, it's a very like mutual balance. And so we work together to solve our problems. I don't be like I need you to go do this, go handle it for me. I will go in there and get my hands dirty just as the same. It's just like I'm an Unleashed Media kind of employee because it's a very give and take relationship. I'm very understanding because money has not really been a conversation piece for any really portion of this project. Um, and so there's no like foundational being like, oh, you're going to get uh, 10%, you're going to get 20%. Like, no, this is purely when I tell you, um, this is a passion project, but it's a passion project that has the opportunity to go entirely something else when, you know, everyone gets to see really what this project is about um, as its core. Yeah, And then Go ahead. And then the the final piece of the kind of the core teams um is so eventually when Keris got busy, I had to bring in a neck- a secondary artist. And so I had another friend that was a concept artist, and I set the bar, and I'm like, I need someone to fill this role because I'm losing traction, I'm losing momentum, and I will pay you uh, a, a small amount of money for each of art, and I will give you the same pay that I was paying Keris. And if you're willing to do this, but if you can match the style, you get you you can have the job. And so I gave her a test. Uh, and she did three different cards. And you know, with a few you know tweaks, but for the most part, she crushed it. And she's been doing it ever since. She's probably been over a year now, and tons of majority of all the content that you'll see uh in the the release project is has been has been Mel, And then the final piece, which is uh something that I want to make sure I share with you and you can potentially have it on the podcast because it's a video, is I have the this will be the first public showing of my Kickstarter video that is fully done and ready to go.
0: Oh cool.
1: And Dave Vance did that. Correct. Right. And so the final piece of the puzzle was Dave Vance and Soyo um And I have loved everything that Dave has ever put out. There's a reason why him and I connect because it's our love of people. And that is why we have done so well in not only games-based stuff, Indianomicon stuff, we we see it from the same focal lens, right? We understand how important the person is. And so you're really gonna even see that in, in the video footage, right? We try to like capture what this game pulls out it doesn't go into the details of like how the game actually works but because it's based on real ideas real momentum right you'll be able to learn those pieces so instead of like this instructional video it's like hey this is what you're going to be able to witness and feel.
0: Mm -hmm. So that was a a good story but you didn't give out any details about how this game works it's a board game i if i'm saying stuff that you don't want said you know i know you'll shut it down but uh, to me you're a dungeon and dragon guy and we didn't even talk about that but board game and i thought that was interesting the
1: the, the game itself as you bring up dungeon dragons and i'll kind of point this right the board game for all your listeners that are board Game fans. So there's three elements that are kind of mixed together. As you've said, I'm a very big fan of Dungeons and & Dragons, and I love the team camaraderie communication that happens at the table when you're playing Dungeons & Dragons. So I wanted to take take that element, but add in some specific board game elements. So there's a game out there called Pandemic, which puts the table uh, against the game itself. Are, their goal is to try to, you know, Eliminate this pandemic that's happening on the board. So they have a series of events that they need to stop. But at the same time, there's a game out there called Ticket to Ride. It's a point driven experience on like a carnival. And so you have to get as much uh, events and activities happening when you play under that specific time limit. So adding these three ideas together, right, I mixed them in a pot, threw in some 8 bit music uh, and some maybe some video game characters, and I out pulled Game Dev the board game.
0: Mm, Okay. That's, I think that's more helpful for sure. Um, What I liked about the game and I was part of the testing team is that there was um, it was relatable. You asked some questions. So there was like people that we know from Orlando, which is super cool. You know, that there's characters like that. And then you also had some well-known famous people in the game industry that i had not heard of but i actually looked them all up and i went okay these are pretty impressive so
1: yeah so the you know that's to me and all the people that i've talked to so far it is the it is the one element that makes this board game stand out about any other board game in any similar capacity it is the only digital and physical board game that relates to real people inside a physical product um And so I wanted to make sure that I created a human element because as game dev, the board game is a teaching tool, right, you understand agile, you understand Scrum, but it also allows you to interface and learn about people that have been in the industry, both new people as well as people that have been there 30 plus years that have done amazing things. You know, I've spent 13 years, 14 years of my career rubbing shoulders with some pretty legit people. And mm-hmm. so, when I've been having these conversations for better part of a year right uh and I've have peaks and bounds on how my conversations have have, have gone through, but for the most part, majority of people just love this idea and being involved and being a part of something that gets to shine their own light um, and as you've said, like I have seriously legit name people that have done phenomenal things but when as you brought up it's like I asked these questions you know when we were doing our filming you know they were like I don't know who this is and I'm like this person has done this amazing thing it's like I know but it's just like this provided an interesting light of why the the industry element is so unique to this game because it will be even greater as you know more content can come out for it once it becomes uh you know Kickstarter success
0: you know i don't think i knew that it's set up to be a digital game also that is not
1: technical uh technically uh confirmed but it is in the plan so depending on how well the kickstarter does um, it is one of the future future goals it's not on the kickstarter stretch goal plan uh, but if we crush it um, it is something that both alex and myself are considering in making um, a digital Version or element that makes this game even more adaptable. So, you know, there's there's a thing called the board game simulator, which you can play on Steam, right? We've thought about doing uh, something like that, as well as potentially actually releasing a, you know, you can play like Uno and other card games uh they'd be building a digital where it's like hey individuals like yourself and maybe some other people were online and then we go into the game itself and now we're playing with you know seven eight people come across the world um and uh which is a possibility so yeah
0: yeah because you could build leagues and have competitions yeah i would think yeah that that sounds very interesting um okay so what is your favorite game? I think I asked that of you earlier, but I was expecting it to be Dungeons and Dragons because that's what you actually played, you know, when I, we were down there at our Orlando game space. So yep. this was a surprising answer to me.
1: Well, I think, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I love, but it's just like, you know, I, I, you know, Cement myself in all these different areas to try to, do mm-hmm. right? You know, when the grand scheme of things, right? My love of Dungeons Dragons is still an early thing. You know, I've only been doing it for five, six years, but I love being a dungeon master. I love taking my charismatic extroverted self and doing all the voices and you know being kind of unique, uh, and kind of help telling the story. Um, and you know, and shout out to the menagerie for being an amazing group uh, and leading and letting me lead them for the past, uh, as we head into, uh, kind of five years now.
0: Yeah. They're a nice group of people. I've enjoyed it. I don't know if I'll get to see them as much though, since you're not here. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, what is your favorite quote that you live by and why? Uh,
1: so, uh, this was told to me, um, I would say it's 2023. So this was told to me 13 years ago and I I live through it every single day, and it's um, rule number six, and it's uh, leave your ego at the door. Um, As someone who has a very strong, uh, unique alpha personality, um, I I love this industry, but I wear it on my sleeve, and so my passion uh, rises to the surface very quickly, uh, and so I'm very uh, I'll call it strong-headed at times mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but uh, I don't do it out of ill will. it's because just I love what I do um, and my passion pushes through all the different all the different layers and so I have to always, keep myself in check to understand that you know knowing that it happens take a break walk away right because as a producer as a project manager the people are most important uh and how i communicate to them how i listen to them is very a core part of my job um and i can't be bullheadedness and have my ego driven out where it's like i you know i don't want them to feel like they can't interface with me and feel uncomfortable, right? And purely six and a half, seven weeks being in this new job, I have so much leadership uh, and trust in my team. It's, I can it, it's words can't even express it how how crazy this journey has been in just purely two months.
0: I'm so happy to hear that for you. Very very happy. So. So rule number six, we got that one. You also shared another one though, I like very much, and it came from Fast and Furious.
1: Oh yeah. So I, as you said, as I've said before, I'm a very driven person, and I am always on the go. I have uh, I have the arc reactor on my chest uh, because I am always moving and keep myself busy. But uh, the quote that you're referencing is, "I live a quarter mile at a time," uh, and so I'm always in the moment. Uh, but always learning what's in the future.
0: Mm, I like that one quite a bit. Um, the hardest lesson that you learned that really changed your life. What was that? Um, because actually, I'm going to tell you before you even start, you're a Jesus guy and I'm going to sh- you know, make sure we share that publicly too. So I, I'm always looking to see if you're tying it back into some of those things that we used to have quite a few talks about faith. So I'm sure. curious.
1: Well, so uh, I, I I will, I mean, I can tell two points of story. One was actually falls into that story. So back in my master's degree, um, I actually just told this to one of my teammates um, just this week. Um, and uh, so I was told um, that I had a, a, a poor... A, a poor performing individual on my team. And so as I was starting to learn about project management and being a leader, right, my extra, extra oh, external producer, which was the teacher at the time, he told me that I needed to document and write all the stuff down for this particular individual. Um, but what I failed to do, which I wasn't aware of at the time, is I wasn't actually doing my own job. I was doing what he requested, but I wasn't doing what I needed to do to help the other portion of the team. And so when I got to the point of turning in, I, he got let go because I did my job to prove the fact that he was underperforming, but then found out that I had to stay. And then I learned that I was also, I failed and I got fired off of my project and I was blown away. I it came from, didn't even expect it and And you know that same weekend was also the 2011, uh, and which is still goes down and still celebrated to this day. This is important to, to note, is that the 2011 uh, global game jam was also that next week that, that, that same weekend I got fired. Uh, and I helped build a team of about 14 individuals. We built two games, one physical and one digital. We split in two teams. We won awards. We every every 20 or every 10 years, they bring our award back uh, and make reference to our game and our team because of how well we did. And so when I came back and started that next Monday, I was an entirely different producer. I, I led, led I managed completely different. I didn't let other things get ahead of me. I took, you know, I took the bull by the horns, as as you might say, um, you know, and, and I made it my own. And even my old extra producer. Told me that I was an entirely different person in a positive manner. They looked at me completely different, you know. And I took this failure opportunity and I had to turn it around or it was going to spiral out of control. And I had literally two and a half days to turn it around, um, you know, because I had to tr- earn the trust of a brand new team that know who, didn't know who I was, mm-hmm. um, respectively. And so, and and as you mentioned, you know, kind of the the Christian thing, uh, this was actually kind of started this journey that I'm on now. Um, You know, I had a really, 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 really tough uh, 2022, uh, probably more tougher than I've had over the past six years. Uh, And I had a lot of fires that I had to deal with. Um, And it was about uh, September, August time. And I pretty much gave up. Uh, And I I pretty much prayed and I was like listen I was like I've spent 13 years trying to do this and I'm I'm burnt out I'm frustrated I'm, I'm tired and it's like I have friends that have done these amazing things and I'm like what why why do I feel like I'm just nothing compared to where I feel I should be after 13 years and I was like this is this is my last request and I was like I was like if I get to March March being literally now right? If I get to March in GDC time, and I was like, if my world doesn't turn around by March, I will quit all games. And I will go fully and go apply to the CIA, which is the Culinary Institute of uh, America. And I will go be the most awesome uh, culinary chef the world's ever seen. I'll, I'll take my passion, and I put it directly into food. And I And I said this, and I was like, it's all you, you deal what you want to do with it. And I think that he was just waiting for me to truly just give up, um, because within 30 days, um, a personal situation changed, which provided much more drive and change, uh, provided the ignition on the board game, and it ignited that to being where it's progressed to, to, to now, with the Kickstarter launching literally within seven days from now, and this opportunity to go work for Mob and, and now, uh, I'm making, you know, more money than I have, you know, in many, many years. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's still, I don't understand. Um, but I'm not here to, to understand that piece. I'm just being along for the journey. And it's interesting because this is actually my, um, uh, my, well, it's at the, at the end of the month, but my spiritual birthday is, uh, is the, is the 27th of this month. So it's about walking in faith. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, that's a lot of, you know, I've had to learn even when I got baptized, I had to like, I couldn't control all the things I used to be this uber planner and stuff like that when it came to what's happening, but I have learned to just kind of accept for the flow. Right, you know, even with you know coming here, it's been an interesting kind of journey, um, and I'm glad the things are working out the way that they are, uh, and nothing really isn't exploding and, and on fire yet. You know, knock on wood, but um, it's it's been an interesting piece, and that's that's what it is. I, I had to trust and know that he's going
0: to have my back. So that was the hardest lesson. But what are you most grateful for? Are they related?
1: <sighs> I think what I'm most grateful for is those select individuals, even the situation might not have been good, but I very much appreciate the people that had my back and they had it in very unique ways. And, you know, if I could tell my story on this podcast, we'd be sitting here for hours, Mm -hmm. but, you know, and I know that, you know, in, in some of the references that I'm, I'm mentioning without not, you know, getting into greater details, yeah. but, but it's, those are things that I can't take away because it's defined who I am and what I gave. Right. And, uh, and so I, I don't look at it as a problem could have been done differently, possibly, but I exhausted what I needed to do for the opportunities that those individuals gave. hmm and I made them successful in my own right and, and what happens in my you know in my in my stead, it's it's outside my control now.
0: Yeah. That's true. Well, we're going to take a moment and acknowledge one of our sponsors, Transcend Network. Transcend Network helps early stage startup founders find product market fit through weekly experiments, receive fundraising support, and build a global founder investor network for ed tech and the future of work technologies. The intern whisperer is affiliated with employers for change. And we thank Transcend Network for being a sponsor of our show. And we're back to the second half of our show where we usually talk about the future of jobs, industries, what is it going to look like in 2030, 2035, and we're coming back to our guest, Chad Hoover. So, Chad, what do you think the future of games and work will look like in 2030? It's an opinion question, so there's no wrong answer.
1: Sure, right? Uh, You know... I just recently kind of switched really kind of focusing on in itself. I think, uh, us as an industry coming out of the pandemic, we, you know, we were an industry that really didn't falter. We grew astronomically, right? People were at home, people still did things, right? Even we were mentioning the board game stuff from earlier, right? There's different ways and avenues to to get into games, um, And I think it's going to continue to still evolve, right? As an industry, we are still rather young. Um, You know, this is no no film industry. We've, you know, I don't even think we've actually really, really hit fifty quite years yet. So, you know, know, I still have friends that have done it for thirty years, and so, you know, and they're pioneers in this industry. So. We still have a lot of growth and it evolves. You know, there's technology that always comes to surface. You know, in the last bee's knees, we had, you know, NFTs and the crypto market, where that's going and, you know, what people want to be on board with all of that, right? It's not something that I involve myself in, but I have friends that are diving into that full head steam because they feel that that's going to be the 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 way of the future and, and how we look at uh transactions and stuff like that but it's it's one of those things where our industry is so young that we're going to have pockets of individuals that uh will want to do one way and then you'll have the one ways that you'll be not really like you know you know old dogs and keeping their ways but we are an ever-evolving industry
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And it's just massive how how much there is. A lot of people, when they think about games, they're not understanding. Yes, there's board games. And yes, there's games that you can play on your phone. There's games that you can play on consoles. There's games that you download from places like Steam and other marketplaces. There's all of these different ways that people get together. And games are I know you said not even 50 years old, but I'll throw it back there. I mean, it's as old as time. People were playing. Oh, games, well, sure. You know, kicking them. What-
1: when, you, when you put it in the context, then yes. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, games have been going around, you know, for, for a long time, centuries.
0: And now we have serious games. So, you know, you and I have gone to the Itsec conference uh, here in Orlando, Florida, that has a focus on simulation training and learning. Um, I'm always amazed at going at that conference and seeing how much uh, changes from year to year. And just I mean, what is going on?
1: I mean, I. this is my really, this past year was the first time I ever got to go to the show, right? I've had colleagues and friends that have gone multiple years, right? You know, we were mentioning about community stuff, right? And I had the opportunity to speak this year, right? So know, going going my, fir- going my first year and speaking my first year uh, because of the, the Armed Forces Jam that uh, um, a series of individuals, including myself, um, kind of helped put together and foster, right, and for this idea up in in Orlando, right, focusing on the armed forces um, as well as space, right, we we have these series of events, and so having them partly involved with events like ITSEC is provide a sense of visibility, right, even when showing their like, games are very interesting when it comes to the serious world, because, you know, as a serious game, there's a sense of, there's a sense of realism of what you're actually building, right? So there's, there's a complexity that there that a lot of game developers don't quite understand until they actually dive into it, right? You know, being in, being in the military side of that with ITSEC, right? There's this degree of bar that you must hit because there's certain expectations or rules or way things must be done, right? There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of wiggle room for I would say the word might be creativity, right? Um, but you know even within the Armed Forces Jam, it allowed to take an idea or a problem and foster that creativity element to merge this idea of utilizing the game developer, right, to bridge that gap, right? Um, so it's a lot differently than like a simulation company that's you know that's their forte, right? They understand those contracts, they understand those long development cycles, but as a game developer there's a different mindset there.
0: Yeah. And just so our listeners know when we talk about games and we're saying serious games, those are, uh, games that are there to help people learn, um, skills or certain, uh, tasks, repetitive tasks. And for example, one might be in construction and you're learning how to use the construction equipment, uh, in a safe setting. So it allows a muscle memory to kick in there and really be absorbed as it. But uh, ITSEC has defense, it has healthcare, it has, gosh, what do we have? Government, we have education. Member uh, security. Yeah. So many yeah. industries that are, are represented there. So what was your paper about? Let's give a little shout out to um, Adrian and Austin. Um, and Mike the, Bianchini. Yep. And the founders of Adrian and Austin, the founders of uh, a squared, but I don't know Mike. So
1: yeah, Mike, uh, Mike works for a company called Dignitas Technologies. So he was the actual constructor. He was the founder of the team uh, and then reached out to uh, myself, Austin, Adrian. So as the leaders of the kind of the community side of being ran for the Uninomicon stuff for the foundation for a couple of years, he got us involved. And so we had our own unique take. And so we all, each of us brought our own piece of flair to the the story of the paper and so you know we talked about the armed forces jam and the influence that it has to the orlando as well as like why it's important for the military side to think about utilizing game jams as a rapid prototyping tool
0: oh that was like super interesting and we do acknowledge all of those great people that were part of the team what do you think about ai augmented reality virtual reality what do you think the impact's going to be on the world in like 7 years
1: oh i can't just wait apple just release what they're making and it just changes the world and everyone will adapt um i you know it's not so ai is an interesting topic um and ai is used in games uh yes but I think in hoping on what you're, what you're referencing is a lot differently than what I view it to be now. Right. You know, AI is like, you know, your, your car moving by itself in your game. Yes, that's AI, but, um, there's, there's machine learning. Uh, there's a lot of AI based on art and construction, right. Of like, does it sabotage the jobs? Right. You you go to a website, put a description and it's going to, you know, spit me out a, a computer generalized image, right, because some AI built it, right, you know, a lot of people are concerned with that front, right, we have this whole focus on chat GPT, right, of what it can do, right, this ever learning presence of uh, an AI, right, it's evolving and making better. Um, you have augmented reality which I've uh, have my fair share of experience in and building uh, releasable you know augmented reality platform experiences I think that's a unique take um, a unique avenue for companies to dive into it, it's a unique marketing element uh, if done correctly and done well um, Uh, Virtual reality is that uh, I think that we're still kind of in limbo uh, on, it's important, it's doing a thing, it's a unique mechanism, it can do some stuff, I have a release product to it, I have other things that I want to release for VR, Um, it just allows you to be connected in an even further uniqueable space, it allows you to be there. Be in somewhere that you haven't been able the opportunity. So, you know, playing a game on my computer is a very different. Sure, I'm playing Call of Duty, but I can put on a headset and look around the world completely. Stand in the middle of this room, and be like I'm physically there. Right? VR is it's a whole different piece because then you have like mixed reality, which is kind of merges the augmented reality and VR stuff, where it takes a digital world and put it in your physical world. and I think that, you know, this goes back to the question you were having about future in games, right? We have these into technology concepts, right? And I think that how the industry evolves and utilizes these, right, will even cement them. You know, we you know, we were talking about like, you know, crypto and blockchain and stuff like that. That's a whole separate market that that's kind of continuously gonna grow all across the world.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, are you planning on attending Itsec uh, this year?
1: Uh, the 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 guys uh, we've considered on um, putting together another paper, uh, depending on how the events go for this year, uh, for those that are in Orlando. Um, um, but it's an interesting path. I'm uh, treating this year as kind of an open whiteboard and not really setting expectations you know I get to go to GDC uh, in just two weeks um, it's really the stepping point I have the opportunity to go to some, some new other shows that I've never gone through with this new role uh, and so I think potentially that might be the avenue that I take uh, depending and in, in trying to you know to, to, to visit back in Orlando as much as I can.
0: Okay so when you go to GDC and for our listeners go ahead and tell us what GDC stands for.
1: Sure, GDC is the Game Developers
0: Conference. Happens in San Francisco. And it's coming up right around the corner here. Um, I know that Tony's going, Matt's going. There's a whole crew of people from Orlando Game Space. Yep. That are so going. Tony
1: and Matt, uh, including myself, and uh, a shout out to uh, Michael Schicciano, Skitch as uh, pronounced, uh, we are all CA, so we're conference associates. So we are volunteering for the week. And so we will be wearing special colors around and doing a series of events for all of the convention goers. So we will actually be working the event uh, a little bit differently than just, you know, participating and
0: going. I think that's the best way to go. Honestly, I love volunteering and that's what I do is, well, I, I like the volunteering part, but I, one of my um, peers had asked me, Hey, am I going to go to the uh, learning guild? Uh, that's coming up in April. And I said, yeah, put me down. Because you get to interact with the speakers with everybody else in a totally different way. They're not feeling like, oh, you're going to come and try and sell me something. You actually get to know people on a personal level that you might not have actually met. So I think it's brilliant.
1: I mean, I, I'm, I've gone to this the show many times, and this is the first time I actually become a CA. And now that I am a CA and I have a successful year, I will be easier to come back uh, next following year and eventually you know, build into leadership, uh, into being a thing, right? So as you very well know, I, I can run events by the back of my hand. Yes. And so uh, uh, I look forward to hopefully treating this as my new creative space Mm -hmm. uh, and supporting peace on a much bigger capacity because as you very well know as i i thrive under challenge so uh, like
0: the adversity sometimes too yeah Yeah. it it always makes us sharper for sure so what ethical dilemmas do you foresee by the use of ai augmented reality virtual reality i mean there's a lot of discussion around this what are your thoughts
1: i think i mean of all of those i ethical is just really on focus on AI to me that's the biggest the biggest thing right now we bring up chat and like what right. AI can can do I mean I really don't see you know a- AR has been around for a while VR has been around for a while like it's its own thing it's like you're either are or you're not, or you're going to get invested into it, you know, AI and where it is now is very different than what it was like five years ago. It may existed, but it has much more shine and more limelight than ever before. Uh, because, you know, you know, we have the the two trains of like, because AI can do it, then, you know, paying an artist to go pay the, you know, make the same art, but I can get my art in literally 12 seconds versus having someone, you know, spend, eight hours and 12 iterations Mm -hmm. on constructing. I can just put a text in the screen and be like, I want a bunny in the middle of a field that's have swimming gear on it. And you know, 12 seconds later, it's like done.
0: So here's how I would compare that to is we have fast fashion and slow fashion. Fast fashion is stuff that's just, you know, it's done, it's quick. It's um, doesn't have the ability to, it's inexpensive materials and it doesn't last long, you know, in like a year you'll be going, okay, what do I do with this? Slow fashion is handcrafted. There's an artist, an artist that's there, an artesian feel to it. And so I feel like that still becomes how we differentiate all of this is that sure you can do it in seconds, but, you know, did the 20% rule apply? Is it 20% different than somebody else's art that's already out there? You know, it,
1: I think with, I mean, the, the big line is, you know, with AI, right? All of that is pulled from real th- real things, right? Sure. Things that already exist on the internet, right? It can It can pull someone's art because it exists in like a digital portfolio, right? You know, and it's referencing all of that data. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like, oh, I can look at this picture and I'm like, oh, it totally referenced this other image that may exist over here. And there's a similarity because that's how it relatively to my understanding, you know, that this isn't this isn't a realm that I'm going to say right here that I'm the well-versed subject matter expert here. But, you know, oh, no, from what learning, I mean, what I what, what I gather from it, that's kind of how it works, um, you know. And, and I'll, you know, I've used, you know, ChatGPT a couple of times, and it's, it's pretty interesting of what it can try to do and tackle, right? And you can, you can utilize it for positive and, and, and you know, fun and stuff like that. But it can, it, it, AI is a very interesting tactic, right? You know, it's a Skynet for our modern world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is um so what is the best mentoring advice mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners it's so hard to believe it's been an hour but we're wrapping up here so what is what is it that you would tell them
1: uh you get involved um I have been doing that ever since 2010 uh get involved rub shoulders network people go to industry events get involved with local communities uh participate in events as you said volunteer with events right you never know who you're gonna meet right you know uh you know my journey has been my journey and but there's other people have met the right person at the right time and that have blossomed into something amazing for for those individuals and i and, and it's great that they've been able to to grow in the way that they have um you know, and uh, but I think that's probably the best thing, you know, uh, you know, I'm pretty knowledgeable in my piece, but I'm doing a whole series of mentoring, even in my new role right, I didn't expect to be doing that. Um, But, uh, you know, my project manager has been soaking up the, the knowledge that I can bestow upon her. um, And she's been doing great. So it's, uh, you never know what you're going to be able to do. Uh, Always listen, right? You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth, and you should double listen from before you talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, for those that, uh, you know, can understand that, that, that kind of concept.
0: How can our listeners find you? We always provide your LinkedIn profile and your websites, but we've got both websites. How else? What other channels are you Mm. active? I have a
1: very digital foot, I have a huge digital footprint. So I guarantee you, if you put my name in Facebook or Twitter, uh, or LinkedIn, you're going to find me in all of those three major areas. I have an Instagram as well. Um, for Phoenix, uh, we have, we have a whole website as well as an Instagram that exists out there. Um, I know that you're going to share a bunch of my links and content, um, but I think the, the easiest uh, two ways of really connecting with me, uh, A, my LinkedIn, um, I am on it literally every day. Uh, and then uh, my Facebook, for those who utilize Facebook or even Instagram, it can still connect to itself uh, that exists there.
0: Hmm. Thanks so much for sharing all of that information also. I appreciate that. Well, Chad, I wanna tell you, it's been a delightful uh, catching up with you. I think this has been really nice. We've been doing a lot of uh conversations on discord and text and all over but it's really nice catching up with you and i look forward to when you come back to orlando or maybe i get up to uh, st louis
1: all Right, come come out for a baseball game
0: oh yeah i've been there i lived in st louis so good place to be thank you so much
1: thank you thanks for having me everyone
0: thank you to our sponsor cat5 studios and thank you to our production team producer and editor josue gonzalez and music by sophie lloyd Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while scaling your employees and interns for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the Intern Whisperer podcast by subscribing to us on Podbean or our Employers for Change YouTube channel or streaming from your favorite podcast channel.